buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. And of course, as always, I've got a fantastic guest for you today. I've got John Hoskins. He is the founder, uh, 40 years of sales management consulting, former Xerox sales executive, founder of Advantage Performance, which he sold in 2016. And uh, he's got three books. He was kind enough to mail them to me. Not, not one book, not... Uh, two books, but three books. They all, uh, I'm excited to jump into them. I haven't had the chance yet, but John, thanks so much for coming on Sales Transformation. How you doing? I'm well, Colin. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. Looking forward to chatting. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I'm curious, where did it all start for you? When did you get into sales? Why and why the heck have you stuck with it for so long? <laughs> Well, I came from a family of salespeople, and um, there you go. My my father and my oldest brother were in the magazine subscription business, and I started okay. knocking on doors in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when I was eleven. So it's mm. in the DNA. Never went to college. Uh, have always sold. Father said to me, uh, "If you learn how to sell, you'll never be out of a job." So <laughs> he was, was good. right. That's good. That's good advice. Was good advice. Yeah. Uh, so you started knocking on doors. Uh, in the snow with no shoes or what? Well, it was summertime and, you know, <laughs> East, Easter break and things like that. And, of course, uh, the field organization then moved into uh, telephone sales. So I started selling on the phone as well. And, you know, it was just a way to earn extra money as a kid. And, you know, with, there weren't Starbucks to work at in those days. And yeah, you had a yeah. route or something else. So um, I started phones and then I made the phone room. And then uh, ended up with my own uh, magazine uh, franchise in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Hunter, when I was uh, 21. I had my. Oh, wow. Yeah. I ran that for about five years and uh, I sold it and um, went to work for Xerox uh, in Toronto. Wow. Okay. So uh, I'm definitely curious on, on how things transpired there. So you started off in entrepreneurship, uh, fairly young, like, like myself and, and then, you know, had a, sounds like a successful exit and then, um, and then took a, a sales role. Walk me through kind of that experience and, and everything. Well, this was a division of Xerox called Xerox Learning Systems. They were the creator of professional selling skills, which probably is one of the more, you know, well-known uh, fundamental selling skills programs. And uh, 
they, uh, I was at a, a cocktail party and a recruiter met me and she said, oh, what are you doing? I said, well, I just sold my magazine franchise. I'm actually going to Jamaica for six weeks. And she said, well, look, when you get back, I want you to meet these people at Xerox. She said, I really don't want to sell Xerox machines. It doesn't interest me. She said, no, no, this is the publishing division. And they, they sell training programs to companies. They have sales training. And I said, oh, I'll go see the guy, right? So when I get there, the guy says, well, where'd you go to school? And they only hired mm. people from McGill and Western in, <laughs> in Ontario. And I said, well, you know, don't have the MBA. And mm. so the interview went on. And then they said, well, come back. We'll have another interview. And then they flew the president up from the U.S. We had another interview. And I got the job. And I uh, had a territory in southwestern Ontario, and uh, in 10 months, they promoted me to run the western region uh, out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where my wife and I got married, and the rest is history. I was there for about a decade. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I love that. Um, I, too, didn't go to college myself. I barely made it through high school. Um, and, <laughs> you know, if you <laughs> – by they the skin of my teeth <laughs> – yeah. yeah, by the skin of the by the skin of my teeth, I just, uh, you know, just I just I was not a I was not a good student to say the least, um, and I I love that story that you know because a lot of people think you you have to have the education to get the job, and uh, you know there's many sales roles at many different levels that 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 you can you know get that job with with or without the education and, and your proof of that so i love that there um so how long was your stint there at xerox and, and and what happened after that so after vancouver i moved to chicago and managed the region there and then i managed western us uh, as a general manager out of chicago and then they uh, moved me into headquarters for the quote-unquote staff experience uh, i was director of u.s sales operations and about that time, Times Mirror uh, bought the learning systems group from Xerox. And, you know, things changed. Uh, Times Mirror was a different type of company. And um, they offered me a job, a VP of sales of uh, Matthew, ben Matthew Bender Law Book. And uh, I went out and traveled with their reps. And I came back and said, boy, that has, I have no interest in that type of selling. So um, I, I left and went to work as a VP of sales for a company called Omega Performance. They were a bank consulting firm uh, mm. based in San Francisco. It was my opportunity to get out of Connecticut and move to the West Coast, and my wife and I loved it, and uh, moved to Tiburon and ran that organization for five years, had some equity, um, invested, and uh, took that equity and started Advantage Performance Group in 1990. Wow, okay, okay. And so back to entrepreneurship for you. <laughs> yeah, back to working for myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you have the experience of working for yourself and then, and then, and then not, uh, were you ready to go back to kind of working for yourself or, or were you a little nervous? Well, to the credit of my two bosses at Omega, we were all the same age. We had young kids. Um, they were, um, really great bosses. I, you know, I credit them, but I didn't feel like I was working for someone. I really felt like I had, you know, my own lane in the sales organization could make decisions the way I wanted to. Very few mm -hmm. restrictions, any ideas I had, they always supported them. So it wasn't that big of transformation, to be honest, uh, Colin. And, and then I stayed in the same world, obviously, in the sales training and management consulting world. 
and um, created Advantage was a franchise organization, and um, we sold it in 2006. You had said 16, but it was 2006 uh, to a Swedish-based consultancy out of, out of Stockholm, and it was a strategic buy for them. We had distribution in the U.S. We had some products that needed to go international, and um, I was only 56 at the time, probably not really ready to retire, but um, it, it was a, a, a game changer for me to make the sale. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so when, when did, the, when did you write the books? Tell me, walk well, me I, through. I, I had, I had a summer home up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and um, I was kind of, um, I had started a not-for-profit for teenage kids that taught them how to build life plans. I started another business that's still alive. Um, it's online called Sales Genomics, which is a sales assessment company. If you're hiring people and need to assess them, um, it profiles 14 different types of salespeople. And I was, um, I was bored. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I said to my wife, I look, bucket list thing. I want to, you know, learn to speak Spanish, learn to play the piano, uh, write a book. And I thought, well, write a book might be easier than the other two. So let me do that. Wrote the book and put it out on Amazon. And the phone started ringing. The email lit up. And people said, hey, I love this model. How can I get my salespeople to sell like that? And that's mm. how it went. No intentions. Wow. Yeah. So I'm okay. So I'm curious. Um, you mentioned three things on on your bucket list there: uh, <laughs> Spanish, piano, and write a book. Where, did did you did you did you learn to speak Spanish or play the piano yet? Well, no, I own a piano now. <laughs> um, hey, that's a, that's a start in the right direction. Start, you know, my wife plays. Um, but no, you know, with starting level five, it, it was a startup again. And you know what happens is you, you dive in and, you know, I love my job. It's really my hobby. It, it's not a job. And uh, we, we, are, we are building a channel now. Uh, we have uh, about 26 independent sales partners around the globe, and they represent the level five capabilities uh, to their clients. And so I'm kind of back in the game again after being out of the game. But it was, it was unintentional, truly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fantastic. So the first book, which of the three, which w was which one? Okay, that was level five selling. Okay, and that was the one where people said, "Hey, help me teach my salespeople to do that." At which yeah. point, I had a blinding glimpse of the obvious, which was the world didn't need another sales training program, <laughs> but there were plenty of them. Um, in fact, one of our first clients, Colin, you'll love this. He. Uh, he was new in the job. He had taken over a fairly large sales organization. I said, Charles, uh, in your instance in the first 90 days, have you discovered any sales training that you've already done at, at the organization? He said, oh, yeah. He said, we've had a whole parade of sales training programs through here. And he said, I can't find any evidence of any of them sticking. And that was um. that um, the problem with most sales training is not as bad content, but there's no reinforcement. There's no follow-up. There's no coaching. There's no practice. And 30 days later, you know, everybody goes back to normal. In fact, I had a call the other day, and the guy, same thing, new guy. He said, yep. He said, uh, I did ask that question, and we ran the Miller Hyman Strategic Selling here about a, a year ago. He said, I don't, I don't know there's a blue sheet in the house. <laughs> so <I> said, okay. <laughs> Proof, proof positive that that's the wrong approach. So we really moved from an idea of event training to ongoing development and, a, and more of a SaaS model where, you know, you continue to develop as a salesperson. You never stop. Um, mm -hmm. You do everything in micro bites as opposed to big chunks. 
and you get lots of coaching and deep reinforcement and practice. And, and what do you, and, and just kind of high level, you know, walk me through the, the, uh, the level five selling sort of framework. You, you mean the actual level five model itself? Yeah. Yeah. So five levels, um, and uh, we've named, we've labeled them all. Those labels seem to persist because people agree with them. Level one is what we call the professional visitor. Okay, this is the uh, person who really believes that people buy from friends. Problem is nobody could have that many friends. They generally do not have call objectives when they go into the account. They're kind of well-paid tourists. You know, they drive around with an expense report, drop in, see people, have a cup of coffee, but uh, you know, they don't get an order unless one's given to them, and they usually have only one contact in the account. So if that contact turns over, the account turns over. And mm. clients tell us that, uh, unfortunately, there's still somewhere around 10% of all calls are professional visits. Um, they're worthless. They, you know, we call it scrap and waste. The second level we call the price peddler. And um, tell me if I'm going into too much detail here for you, but I think it's a job. No, no, I love this. Yeah. And, 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 and so how many... What percentage of salespeople typically fall in that level one, you know, hey, people buy from people they like and, you know, you're never going to have enough people that like you to, you know, hit the goals that you need to? <laughs> well, I'd say on average, you know, five to 15 percent. But I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in Dallas in a in a executive conference room and we're going through the model and uh, chief operating officers uh, there. And I, I said, Don what percent of your calls do you think are made at the professional visitor level? He paused, he says, 60%. I said, 60%, it was the highest number I'd ever heard. And I wow. said, wow, that's a big number. He said, hey, we built our business on building strong relationships with people. And that's, that's a lot of our business is repeat business. So we have to be careful here. I said, I got it. So the next level is price peddler. And that's, you know, that's the person whose product is a price list. I, you know, Mine is just as good. I can get it for you cheaper. What are you currently paying for your you know, yeah. paper clips, whatever it might be? So, Don, what, what percent of your people are calling at the price peddler level? Or what percent of the calls? Another 60%. I said, I'm covered 120%. Like, where are we going from here? He said, no. He said, I get it. We need to get out of here because, you know, our margins suck and we need to improve them. And I can't do it with people that are professional visitors and price peddlers. So the next level up is level three. We call it the technical teller. And um, this is the most predominant one, Colin. You can guess. It's the spray and pray. You know, show up oh. and throw up. A data dump. Yeah. Um, you know, all one way. Uh, actually, you know, Rackham proved that, that the person that does that actually creates more objections. But 50% or more of all sales calls are a technical teller. Yeah. And these are really in high tech. You know, and, and, and these are the people that are saying, hey, sales is just a numbers game. You know, right. if, you make, well, if, yes. you make, if you make 100 calls and you're going to get this many and you're going to get this many deals and you're going to get this many, they're going to close. And it's just throw everything out there and see what sticks. See what sticks. Exactly. They, they think their job is customer education. And some of them actually enjoy, you know, how much knowledge they have. If they're an engineer or something, they, you know, they want to talk bits and bytes and has nothing to do with what the product will do for the business, but that's, that's the way it works. So the, the, the three, two, one, that, those levels, that represents our, our claim to 60% of all calls are scrap and waste. So if a company's spending $10 million a year on sales and marketing, $6 million is probably scrap and waste. It's not, it's not producing anything. No other functional area in the company would, would tolerate that kind of performance, but, but sales does. Wow, wow. 
Okay. So let me take you to level four. Level four is yeah. kind of the first you know, level of professional selling. We call it the product service consultant. And this is a person who does ask questions, does undercover needs, knows how to handle objections, asks for commitment, does their homework, has a call objective, not just a primary call objective, but a secondary. And the only difference is, is everything they talk about in terms of their product is only related to the outcomes that the innate features of that product will solve. So right. it doesn't move to that next level, which we call level five, the value creator, where that person's now connecting the solution that they're offering to a business issue or an initiative that that company is trying to undertake and achieve. And that really requires business acumen to get to that role of you know, ROI. Let me show you how this product can put money in your pocket and not take money out of your pocket, which most of the other levels are thinking about. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, um, and, and so this is the type of work that you're working with organizations to get as many people as possible to that level, level, uh, level five. That is exactly correct. Yep. And, and we, we do that, you know, we have very strict metrics. We make coaching due Friday at five o'clock. Um, every quarter, every manager creates an individual development plan for one of their reps, each of their reps. So, the areas of strength, areas of development. And, um, you know, it's a very rigorous coaching process. It's not just a sales training process. Wow. Okay. And is there certain characteristics of just people individually that make it more difficult to even be capable of getting to that level five, you know, selling status? I would say yes. Uh, yeah. You know, it's hard to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. And, and, and it's, uh, we, we have defined 40 different characteristics and traits of these various levels. And we work with clients to define them. And, and the real goal in our initial work is to say, you have to have a common language and understanding of what good looks like. And you can't mm -hmm. coach unless there's agreement about that. And so what happens almost immediately in our accounts is people start using the language of level five. Um, even a rep, you know, most of the time they're reps out there by themselves, but they can walk out of a call and they can think in their mind, I wonder where I was at in that call. Oh, gosh, I was at level three, wasn't I? Well, what did I do? Oh, you know what? I never asked any questions. All I did was mm. talk. You know, they can begin to self-coach uh, against the model. Mm. So once they just have that sort of level aware of awareness, they can sort of be, you know, slowly making progress of getting to that level. Even though they, they might can. not fully be capable of understanding. I mean, I mean, I would even imagine that even the best sellers aren't their best all the time, right? So they're going to maybe kind of fall back to maybe what's comfortable, which might be a level two, level three, or what they're used to um, before they really feel in the zone and comfortable in that level five way of selling. It, it is a dynamic model. You can observe it in a call in that people can move up and down the ladder. Um, you yeah. know, someone could open a call, but, you know, hey, did you see the U.S. Open yesterday? You see that little girl from Canada beat that, you know, you know, that's start a relationship building, right? A little, you know, friendliness, chit chat. But then do yeah. they move out of there and do they, you know, move up to a higher level as they as start the call? The other thing, Colin, that's interesting is clients or customers will drive you into different levels. So mm -hmm. all the customer has to do is just say, look, what does this cost? You're going to move right down mm -hmm. to level two. You're back to yeah. level two. <laughs> right. And you need, to, you need to think about 
how to navigate yourself out of that. And those are the skill sets. So um, I mentioned practice earlier. We work with a platform that's a, a virtual role practice platform called Rehearsal. I'm sure you're familiar with the space. And we have 49 microlearning e-modules on every topic under the sun about selling and selling skills. And so um, the leader can go travel or observe a call. Let's say that you watched me and you said, John, you know, you really fumbled that objection last time. We should work on objection handling. Why don't you yeah. go watch the objection hand handling module? I'd like you to record yourself making um, a response to that objection again. Send it to me and I'll review it and critique it and send you back a video and give you my feedback. And then there's three things the manager can do. They can say, John, you missed a step. Try it again. I, I, there's one part here that I didn't see you do. I'd love to see you do it better. Or, hey, good job, John. You know, check the box. We got that one nailed. Let's make sure we use the model going forward. Or three is, hey, let's capture this as a best practice and move it to the leaderboard so all your colleagues and peers can benefit from seeing how you handle that objection. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, how, how, and and I'm sure once there's sort of this level of awareness of these different levels of selling, um, you can start to be a little bit more conscious of like, oh, you know, you, you, you start to know as a seller where you could have, you know, done better or where you kind of fell back and what you need to, to work on, right? Well, and it, it, because a great coach asks questions versus tells people what to do, it allows you to have that dialogue with the person because you have a common understanding of what good looks like. So when coming out of a call, the first thing you could say is, hey, Colin, where do you think you were at in that call on level five? Eh, kind of felt like it was level four. Well, tell me more. Why do you think you were at level four? Well, I really didn't get into any business issues, did I? I didn't really talk about some of their initiatives and some of the things they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, anything else? Well, I know I have some insights about that industry. I know a lot about it. I probably could have you know, gone there and talked a little bit about that. So it changes the way the dialogue around coaching happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I love sense? this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, John, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for, for coming on today. And, you know, we kind of got into level five selling, but you've also got level five coaching system, level five sales leader. Where can people find all the books? Where can they find out more about what you're doing? Um, and how can they just simply get into your world? So the books are all on Amazon under level five selling. If you just plug that in, you'll get all three of them as a trilogy. Um, in terms of getting to us, we're www.level5selling.com. And my email is john at level5selling.com. And you can text me or call me at 480-235-5582. Fantastic. We will include all of those details in the show notes for you. If you enjoyed today's episode with John, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help out. And as always, we are listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.